This is a Suno India production and you're listening to Pride and Prejudice. Trigger warning, this episode includes discussions of bullying, suicide and abuse in schools. A class 10 student of a greater Faridabad private school died by suicide on 24th February. In the suicide note, he said, and I quote, The school has killed me, especially higher authorities. Various details have emerged from the much-publicized case. He was allegedly sexually harassed by other students over his queerness while he struggled in class with dyslexia. Instead of helping him, his mother alleges that school authorities, including the principal, minimized his struggles and harassed him for complaining. The principal was arrested and has been granted bail by the court since, while investigations continue. Hi, I am Surya Tapa Mukherjee and I am reporting for this episode of Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice is our show on all things LGBTQIA+. For this episode, I spoke to Shiva Kumar and Tejasvi. Shiva Kumar is the co-founder of Nestam, an LGBTQ plus support group in Vishakapatnam. I wanted to speak to him about this story because he conducts LGBTQ plus workshops in schools to make them a safe space. Tejasvi is a digital editor at Gacy Family and they are autistic. So like the boy who died, Tejasvi is neurodivergent. I myself have ADHD and I refer to my own experience of being neurodivergent and queer in school in this episode. We discuss our experiences with bullying, the role of teachers in all of this and the solutions we need to pursue. Shiva, you yourself, you work in that education space to make like schools and colleges like more of a safe space. So what was your initial uh, reaction to that news? I felt very, very sad. Uh, Indeed, sad must be a very small word, but I literally felt depressed also because that is what we were actually working for. We started our journey from schools. Literally, we touched nearly five schools within uh, the first year. I mean, uh, within the first year, we started our work. So, um, like, this incident came as a very big surprise. Uh, In Indian schools, firstly, a child coming out with uh, such a reason. Because definitely, we always had this kind of feeling in us. Like, there is somewhere uh, going wrong, like, at one or the other place. This school, which is almost having a national-wide reputation and um, such an incident happening there, it literally tells like how ignorant the teachers or the students are left as. I feel like it's such a uh, complicated situation because it's like we experience that bullying and then we grow up and then as adults, you know, we can be out and open and all of that. But the same thing sort of happens to the next generation, you know, and I feel like that this news sort of like shows that. So do the both of you, like I would like to like you to come in in terms of like personally, how did this make you feel? And uh, Tejas, we can start with you. Yeah, I wanted to also uh, mention that a 
two, three years ago, in 2018, I think, uh, I had worked on a piece with a journalist. I was editor and I got so involved with the piece that I became a co-writer on suicide in among young people in India, especially in schools and colleges, uh, institutionally kind of um, within the institutional confines of these spaces because most young people either go to schools or colleges, right? And we learned that suicide is one of the highest, uh, you know, among young people in India uh, compared to a lot of other countries in the South Asian region. And that actually pushed me to think about the reasons why young people kill themselves. It brought up a lot of memories where, you know, when I was 19, 20 years old, I actually lost my childhood best friend to suicide. And to talk about why people kill themselves was what led me to, you know, also embrace and be more open about my own queerness. Um, And also diving deeper into mental health I realized that I wanted to talk about not just mental health but how you know there are a lot of systemic issues that create such a suffocating such a tough atmosphere for all of us to thrive or forget as kids even as adults so uh, and the pressure is all the more on kids because you know yeah we in India, we talk about a lot about, you know, exam pressure and stuff, but that's not the only reason. Young people are often, as a young person, I remember trying to explore myself, trying to explore my identity. That's the stage at which you form your sense of self, right? And that is, there is no space to explore. And there is no space to explore safely more than anything, right? Because there is no sex education. There is no idea of who you might be. And another thing I noticed was like, even while we were writing that piece about suicide prevention among young people, a lot of teachers, a lot of schools, a lot of counselors that were associated with the schools themselves didn't want to talk to us on record. So that was something really shocking. If you're not even going to acknowledge that they are, I mean, now it's more, you know, socially acceptable to talk about your mental health, at least say depression and anxiety, thanks to a lot of these campaigns that celebrities have been running. They were not even willing to acknowledge that, you know. So to talk about queerness, to talk about the reasons for suicide as going beyond just depression and anxiety, but also ableism, bullying and queerness, that that there is no space for that. Even adults are not willing to talk about it. So the children are obviously under a lot of pressure to conform and to kind of try to just get out of school. And in my personal experience, I remember just wanting to graduate. When I finished school, I was like, finally, I'm in the real world. But then I realized these are the systems that we live in, even as adults. There is no freedom from it. There is so much like that we have to advocate, that we have to realize for ourselves without the resources in the external world and then advocate for it by just finding our own community, finding spaces that uh, feel safe for us. So, yeah. In 2019, the Tata Institute of Social Sciences released a report titled An Exploratory Study of Discriminations Based on Non-Normative Genders and Sexualities. It found that heterosexism is built into how schools operate and bullying maintains that status quo, producing masculine boys and feminine girls. There is a culture of sexual harassment of female students as well as male students seen as feminine. I discussed some of these findings with Tejasvi and Shivakumar.
in the TIS 2019 report found that basically as queer children or I mean it wasn't about neurodivergence but it applies to neurodivergence as well that when you are like marginalized in that way growing up like within schools it's like obviously anything that makes you different is picked apart and you know and you and you go through all these experiences and there is no vocabulary for it like in you know in your classroom with your teachers in your books like it's not even mentioned and so of course like when you're being picked on like you only know that okay like you should hide and you know maybe it is something shameful right because you don't understand it and you have no tools to understand it and then once the person like leaves school goes into college and then they can sort of have more of that access they've already had a lot of experiences you know a lot of situations where maybe they would have been able to stand up for themselves more uh, you know if they had that sort of access i remember i was a- I was a peer educator in my school when it came to soft skills and there was some mention about you know just adolescent education adolescent education program it is called AEP and uh, we had I had to talk about soft skills because apparently the teachers thought I had good command over my communication skills and stuff and I had to I did my research online and I also said I think we should talk about sex education because I'd seen it on mean girls and a couple of other shows that I watched as a kid they said yeah what are you going to talk about and they just said that you, you know uh, tried uh, sex is not something that is we uh, that we encourage among teenagers uh, so it's something that we, they have to have a conversation with their pa- parents and things like that so that sort of an attitude has continued till date actually even now a lot of schools in south india that i know of because i live in south india i know of a lot of schools there are a lot of schools that my you know friends children go to or friends teach at or friends siblings go to uh they still you know segregate boys and girls you know and uh, they there is there is this fear about so it kind of creates mystery i was talking to one of my friends you know we have not been given the space to discover our sexuality because we have been separated like this and then we have this idea of an opposite gender and it's so mysterious to us that we think we are supposed to be attracted to them and by the time we date them we realize that we are in you know that into that gender but there is this pressure of getting married and what not so that we can get settled down so we don't really have that space when we are younger and by the time we are older we are pushed into other sorts of commitments right so that happens this workshops when we did students used to give really a great response there is more than uh, two genders that we talk really in school so when we talk about these things the children um, felt very happy knowing them so if teachers took this opportunity even before us maybe we didn't have to really conduct such sessions and even this incident wouldn't happen and even teachers are more um, exposed to the news and they keep seeing this lgbt news frequently since 2018 coming in the news channels and the supreme court giving supporting statements and still they are playing deaf ears and um, they are trying to mute themselves in talking about such topics it clearly tells that they are still um, so worried about their job or whatever reason they have personal reasons or religious reasons the role of teachers is something that i really do want to talk about so especially in this case you know like we've seen that uh, the mother has said that the reason that the boy uh, you know died by suicide is because he had a science exam coming up and he asked his principal for help because he's dyslexic so he's neurodivergent as well and the principal basically said that you and your mother create problems and things like that 
So Tejasvi, I want to ask you about this intersectionality of neurodivergence and sexuality. Because the mother, you know, she clearly said that he was already depressed and he was already in mental distress because of being bullied as a queer person as well. Uh, because of the sexual harassment that he experienced uh, in school from his peers. Yeah, in my own personal experience, uh, I could relate so much to when, you know, the the news came out and we were reading about the child's letter and the parents' comments and how the school was responding to the whole situation. It was, it really reminded me of a lot of ways in which I was bullied. Actually, most of the my experiences of being bullied was by teachers themselves. Uh, and that is what dominates my memory of school. You know, maybe my peers bullied me, but it was so... Uh, in comparison to how I felt with the teachers bullying me, it was so, you know, passe. Like, I don't even remember that bit as much. I'm autistic, right? So I have a really flat effect. And especially as a kid, when I didn't really understand voice modulation and stuff. So my mother would actually try to teach me to, uh, you know, perform voice mod- modulations, especially to like recite poetry and like storytelling competitions and stuff. But nonetheless, I had a very flat effect and it comes across as quite assertive. And uh, a lot of people at home, uh, in my, among my relatives and in the school, of course, they did not like it. But because it seems comes across as very masculine, right? And I am, of course, a girl, girl child. So how can I talk like that? So I remember one science teacher, she didn't quite like me. She made me sit on the floor. And I didn't really care about it. I was like, cool, I'll sit on the floor. She made me sit on the floor for about three to four months. And it was meant to be a humiliating exercise. You know, it was meant to be making me feel bad. And if you think about it, that's what we do to people. I've heard of people who are of oppressed caste and communities also share similar experiences where they were made to sit on the floor by their teachers. So this is what we do to kind of uh, put people who don't you know, fall into a certain norm. We try to do certain things to them that is supposedly humiliating. And yeah, it's also something that is very overstimulating for me when I wear clothes that, for instance, high collars, the collared shirt that we had to wear for college, I mean, school, was never something that I was comfortable with. I would always find it very itchy around my neck. The number of undergarments we were expected to wear because we have breasts, uh, that was also something that I found very overstimulating and they, I would wear a certain kind of undergarment that wouldn't fit in a certain way. Uh, it would keep com- bunching up against my neck and all my peers would always say good morning. You know, they can't even get themselves to say that, hey, I can see your bra strap peeping out. It was like good morning so that the boys don't know what we're talking about. And then, of course, the Sunday is longer than Monday and things like that. There was just so much attention to all of these things. Only because I was assigned female at birth, you know, I realized boys were taking off their shirts and playing football, for heaven's sake. And here I'm being told that my bra strap is showing. So there are so many ways. I don't think I was, um, I think I came to terms with my sexuality much later. But with respect to my gender expression, which is, I think, inseparable from my neurodivergence because I don't understand gender norms. Um, that was really like highlighted in my, a lot of my experiences with my peers and also with my teachers. A lot of these issues, we instead of using that as an opportunity to talk about how our bodies and minds are different from each other but work in similar ways, uh, we don't really do, use that opportunity. And teachers actually perpetuate that sort of you know hierarchy and that sort of differentiation between what is good uh, you know body, what is a bad body, things like that. Yeah, so again, like coming to teachers, you know, for me as well, like there was this uh, student who was my peer in class five and 
at this like now i can probably look back and say that she probably had uh, maybe a sort of learning disability and every morning like you know it was like quite traumatizing for me and like every morning this child used to be beaten by the teacher in front of the whole class like every morning because you know she would not get things she would not understand things and it was just this awful experience and again in terms of like uh queerness or sexuality or whatever uh you know like i have witnessed like these two queer students uh, being caught and and beaten by uh, the warden uh, you know in front of me and even though you know some of these experiences were not my personal experiences it showed me that okay unless i follow a certain line of behavior this is what the consequences might be uh shiva you train teachers as well so can you say what has been your experience with teachers sure surya so uh, with teachers uh, what happened is like when we went they thought like we are going to talk to students only so we said uh, no we don't uh, we are not planned uh, to speak only with uh, students we want also teachers to be involved especially uh, science and social teachers too if possible language teachers also uh, because uh, we cannot come to your school every time and uh, once said every year you get new batch and new students so we may not be able to touch the new students uh, who enter the same class so to avoid all this uh, interruption in the passage uh, passing of the message we wanted the teachers to be also involved and we put forward this request to the principal and she readily agreed so that was the first uh, positive kind of response we got from one of the principal uh and the same time when in another school the principal was so inhibited like uh, uh, they they had a lot of doubts like oh uh, what would teachers do after the session maybe they may not support uh, uh further for conducting such an activity so the principal was interested but there was some shy there where some teachers might go against um, the principal for conducting such sessions so in this way there was a, uh, it was always a mixed reactions and uh, to put forward i, I can say this uh, even in the teachers who attended the workshops uh, they were so happy to um, be part of this session and get all that information and there was one language teacher who was around uh, 60 and she clearly said on face like why are you doing all these sessions what is your intention among the teachers they have a lot of uh, a dilemma like whether to take it or not uh, due to societal pressures or their own personal reasons anyway but still i understood like we should go ahead uh, because there are teachers who are ready to learn them and uh, help the uh, students whenever they see such students and our sessions did really help when we conducted the sessions um it, when we revisit the school on a different um, purpose they keep telling us like the session what you did really helped uh, our children like they have a proper understanding like the teachers could try to understand when a male child is not exhibiting that masculine expressions and all that and when a female child is uh, behaving tomboyish now they are taking that liberty to let them be themselves
National Council of Education Research and Training came out with a training manual for teachers on inclusion of transgender and gender non-conforming children in schools. It led to a right-wing backlash online, following which the National Commission for Protection of Child Rights issued a notice to NCRT. The manual was subsequently removed from its website. Shivakumar says such a manual released on a national level would have made his job much easier. He has been making his own manuals for Nestam's workshops. We started even before such manuals were released, only keeping in uh, hope that teachers would really understand our motto. Because uh, um, there was a principal who said, like, are you going to change our girls? Because it was completely a go- girls' college. So when we went and put our um, co- concept forward uh, to her, uh, she immediately said this statement, are you going to change our girls? So we didn't understand what she is trying to say by, say, uh, like changing girls. This kind of response can be avoided when we have such materials coming um, from the uh, educational department because they will be enforced and these people cannot take their decisions. So it would uh, really give an opportunity for everyone to do it mandatorily. It's not like an option because now when we are doing it is becoming an option for the principal to let us or not let us. And uh, uh, these training materials, um, when we are like, what happens when the teachers take these training materials, when they get doubts, because every uh, thing they cannot understand completely. So uh, when uh, they approach us, we can help them. So in either ways, like when they know us, that there is some organization added to it near to them, they would definitely approach uh, in uh, trying to understand anything that is still bothering them in that material. In all these ways, I can say like uh, the materials or the sources of information uh, will definitely bring uh, a lot of change. A lot of these teachers are ill-equipped, right, to deal with these issues because they themselves haven't really had the space to explore or study these sorts of ideas and it's something that could have probably hindered their own self-exploratory phase and their own identities and you know how they see it so we need to have more trauma-informed disability aware queer affirming sex educators social workers uh, therapists to be working with these children right so that they can have these conversations with those children and then they need to have agency in how the school is uh, set up as well they need to have agency in let's say putting together a suicide prevention or suicide awareness policy for the school you know um they should have the agency to make certain systemic changes let's say into uh, how the bathrooms are designed right like uh, why can't we just have bathrooms for everyone together because we are so worried about certain things happening in the bathroom without preparing our children for conversations about consent, conversations about pleasure, conversations about menstruation. So we need to have people who have the agency to make these systemic changes as well. And something that Shiva mentioned was, you know, the principle, how teachers are worried about going against the principle. And it got me thinking, whenever I was in the girls' school, there was a woman who was a principal, of course. But when I was in a co-ed school, which is for the most part of my life, I and in different cities, huh? once in Kolkata, once in Coimbatore, uh, I have only seen one woman who was a principal. And to be very honest, when she was a principal, I felt very empowered because uh, my mother also told me that, you know, she's a really, uh, she's a really present woman. She would listen to me when I would say things like, I have been, uh, I have been kind of 
seen this way because I'm a girl. And she actually agreed once. Actually, another teacher, math teacher, this time believed me, and um, she slapped me actually. And my mother took me to the principal, and the, ma- the principal actually said, "I think she slapped you because you were a girl, and she thought you were talking out of turn." And that left an impression on me, you know. So another systemic change that is required is putting people who have agency, who are of marginalized gender, or who are of certain marginalized identities there, because they are able to empathize better. And that is so important in the way we structure the power hierarchies in school, right? A, of course, we would love it if we had no hierarchy and no concentration of power. But if we have to, then we need to make sure that there are people who are of those marginalized identities who also have agencies in different positions in uh, the administration of the school because this news of this suicide is so saddening for us right because we've gone through that we've experienced that but it's also the fact that there are queer students in schools right now who are seeing this news who are maybe being bullied themselves uh you know queer neurodivergent or like otherwise you know disabled or marginalized uh, children so what would you sort of say to them in terms of like how did you come to like sort of accept these experiences because they also don't know that like life can be different right when when they grow up like things can change when you're at that age that is all you've experienced you sort of have the feeling that that's just how it is and that is how the world is um so what would the both of you like to tell uh, you know students like that right now i would definitely want to apologize because we we have not we are not equipped to deal with uh, raising children as a society or as a family uh at the moment and the second thing would be you know try i mean i know it's easier said than done and this is we are talking to some of the most oppressed uh demographic in our population um but it, i think it's really important that children start exercising their rights and start uh, advocating for themselves and i see actually that a lot of it happening there are children there are young people run um, you know media platforms there are young people run advocacy groups uh, and um, we, although they face a lot of oppression and systemically and physically to so to speak i think it's important for them to do that and it's important for them to set us who will be able to kind of help them maintain those sort of spaces uh having said that i don't obviously the onus is not on children to do that it, the onus is on adults and my message would be more to adults to say that please be more aware of child rights please be more considerate of it and please be uh, better informed before you have children and before you teach children before you work with children because at the end of the day it's not just about discipline it's a lot more about helping the child find out who they are just in case if you identify yourself part of the lgbtqia plus community so please keep hope uh, keep hope that you are no different from any other child and you don't have to really come out and just in case if you cannot take the pressure Uh, of the repression or depression or bullying anything you can approach us so we are trying to uh, tell them that there is someone always ready to listen to them and also tell them like here you can see your teachers are with you they are also listening to what it is about so you can approach them and through them you can come to us at the time of need so you don't have to really stop yourself or feel that there is 
no one and you are alone you are fighting alone because even that is what we suffered from and today you are lucky enough to have someone standing for you so you have to just take that one step of reaching us to whoever whoever is listening to this this is one big message we are giving to you please believe that whether the child is suffering with disability or any other thing first we should stop bullying them for whatever reason it is no one is uh, really had no one have to really suffer like that and all these were existing and it is we who could not see them or we could not hear them from our ancestors and now as we are getting that information that it was existing quite for long years then why should we not accept it and go ahead so by doing that we are not only saving one life but it is one family and even it's not one family all those who are connected to that person all of them are getting affected so it's not one person we are trying to affect it is more than one person we are affecting by doing all this kind of harassment and bullying so it's time we ended all this i hope you would realize the impact of by not doing than just for your self satisfaction or whatever it is um yeah that's the message i have i think uh, if i could just add to that it's also important as adults you know to, to also engage with the children in our families in our communities uh because i have start, I, i mean i'm i'm 30 and i have started engaging with the my cousins and the other children in my family very openly about a lot of these things and that has made them also more comfortable in talking to me about certain issues like sexuality and whatever they are learning from their friends in college and uh in terms of sex education if they have an issue they know they can reach out to me so if we could just talk to these talk to children who we know or whom we have in our vicinity more openly uh as much as we could exercise that level of agency that would be really helpful you know i think that's another way in which i would rather give that message to adults than to children because children are really young and these children have to do, go through so much Thank you for listening to this episode of Pride and Prejudice. If you like this episode, please rate this podcast or leave a comment. Underreported and underrepresented stories can become mainstream only if it reaches more people. So please support us by visiting our contributing page on our website sunoindia.in or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.